for our listeners, a content warning. This episode talks about positive and negative body image and self-esteem issues, fat phobia and fat shaming, disordered eating, and bullying with racism and discrimination. If any of these topics are potentially triggering to you, we advise you against listening to this episode and practicing some self-care. But if you are still listening, we hope you enjoy this conversation on Dump. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Are You There, Love? It's us, Danny and Izzy. Danny here. Wait, okay, sorry, that, that threw me off. It's Izzy, FYI, because she's like, and I'm Danny, and then I should go, and I'm Izzy. But I love the change up. We're here for it. Trying something new. That's exactly what I'm out here to do. We are changing it. And so, as described, two weeks ago now, we are doing Dumplin' by Julie Murphy this week. Book I'm very, very excited about. Drag queens, Dolly Parton, romance, friendship. This book has got it all. And... It's just so pure and wholesome and one of my favorite books. It makes me smile every time I read it or watch the Netflix adaption. Great. You should watch it and read it when you're done with this episode. Yes, ditto on that. And I'm just excited for Danielle to talk about this because as much as I talk about books in general, she like really talks about Dumplin' and has been begging me to read it for such a long time. So I ha- we had to let her have her Dumplin' moment on the podcast. And after reading it, um, I go like, yeah, I know why Danielle would like this. And it's good. It's really good. And I'm excited to talk about it. And I'm excited to hear Danielle go on her many uh, thought tangents and rants because I know she has a lot of them stored up. So, yes, many thoughts. I relate to many things in this book, but it's also just, I don't know, it encapsulates so many things I feel like I felt in high school. So. It's interesting. I read it for the first time. I looked on Goodreads uh, three years ago, and it's still wild how resonant it is. And also, as a country music fan, anything that championing my queen, Dolly Parton, we stand. Yes. So, in relation to this book, the themes we're going to be talking about this week includes the relationship with ourselves, our self-esteem, a big thing for Willow Dean, the main character in this novel, is her relationship with herself being a young woman in society that is considered fat, and her how that affects her self-esteem and how she sees herself and presents herself to the world. The other thing we're going to be hitting is the importance of female friendships and role models. Uh, a lot of, in, obviously we're all influenced by those we hang out with, and I feel like this book has a very positive portrayal of female friendships, whereas in a lot of books, especially in the young adult genre, they can kind of become victim to kind of snarky, toxic, competitive, and toxic. I think I said toxic twice, but they're very toxic female friendships, and we need more positive portrayals of that and good role models. And the last theme we will be talking about is questioning if leagues really exist. A lot of... Uh, the mental battle for Willow Dean in this book in regards to her romantic life is the crush and relationship she has with local jock, handsome Southern gentleman, Bo, who she works with at Harpies. 
hot a hot dog and hamburger place in town and then the relationship she develops with Mitch a guy from her class um and we'll talk more about that later but I'm excited to get into it so Izzy would you like to read us the Goodreads summary yes and apologies in advance if I kind of slip into a a fake southern accent I feel like there's no uh other way but to read this with some sort of southern accent (laughs) because it does take place in Texas and yeah okay we're gonna go for it apologies in advance self-proclaimed fat girl willa dean dixon dubbed dumpling by her former beauty queen mom has always been at home in her own skin her thoughts on having the ultimate bikini body put a bikini on your body with her all-american beauty best friend ellen by her side things have always worked until will takes a job at harpies the local fast food joint there, she meets private school Beau, a hot former jock. Will isn't surprised to find herself attracted to Beau, but she is surprised when he seems to like her back. Instead of finding new heights of self-assurance in her relationship with Beau, Will starts to doubt herself. So she sets out to take back her confidence by doing the most horrifying thing she can imagine, entering the Miss Clover City beauty pageant along with several several other unlikely candidates to show the world that she deserves to be up there as much as any twiggy girl does. Along the way, she'll shock the hell out of Clover City and maybe herself most of all. With starry Texas masks, red candy suckers, Dolly Parton songs, and a wildly unforgettable heroine, Dumplin' is a guarantee to steer your heart. That was so bad, Southern accent. I'm sorry. I just, the the Dolly, the Texas, the beauty queen pageants overtook me. Don't apologize. I loved it. I felt like you you encapsulated everything I want out of a Southern accent. Oh, wow. You're too kind. Too kind to me. It's because I love you. And I, uh, after spending my summer in Nashville, however long ago that was, and you visited me, I miss my Southern accent and my Nashville hot chicken. And shout out Nashville. I love you. I had a great time. Maybe because I was with you. But I mean, I'm obviously, you know, I'm not like a big country music person. I, okay, I abhor it. But I literally had such a great time at Nashville. Just hanging with you, getting to know your life and what you love so much. So, oh, so honored. It was a treat for me to play little host travel tour guide that weekend it was fun and I I liked showing you yeah my interest in country music and I remember you crying at the Grand Ole Opry tour and I was like (laughs) yes the power of country music has penetrated you so yeah I I don't know what came over me at the Opry I just love when people like achieve their dreams 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 whatever Um, (laughs) I just love when people achieve their dreams because I don't know like anything with like American Idol winners, like contest winners, all like that, I get very teary eyed. I'm like, we did it, we made it. Yeah, especially when they're so passionate and talented, and obviously, making it big is a feat in itself in such a tough competitive industry, and especially within country music. Uh, if y'all don't know, the Grand Ole Opry is a huge thing to be a part of in country music uh to be a member you have to be axed and you have to display the values of the opry and give back to the country music community and be like a good member i guess i don't know they ax you and it's really an honor so it's watching the whole um what is it called 
I don't know. A montage. Watching a whole montage of all these people getting asked to be members. It's so <laughs> like, emotional. Yeah, then they I start really- crying, then you start crying. Yeah. Yeah, I really got it. I think it was uh wow, you're gonna be so impressed I know this name. Uh, Darius Rutgers. I think he was the first black country music artist that got asked uh, to be in the Opry. And we can't, hopefully more people of color will be asked to join because, you know, country music has a <laughs> white problem. So hopefully yeah. we can help. A white problem, a white male problem specifically yeah. as well. Yeah. Fun fact, not the fun fact for this stat is probably a year or two old, but they did research on like airplay on country radio. I was telling Izzy before we got on here about how radio still plays a big impact in the success of country artists, whereas in other genres, streaming is like the big thing. Uh, but with country radio, for every hour that is played on country radio, there is one female that is played. Yeah. One female song, which is unacceptable. Also, I listen to mostly female country artists, and y'all are missing out. A tangent start. Tangent one. We should keep a running count. Anyway, we really got to get back to dumpling. So after that whole Goodreads synopsis that feels like 500 years ago now, into <laughs> is the theme of kind of the relationship with ourselves, our own self-esteem, um, and kind of the fat phobia that is translated throughout this book by Willa Dean's community, the world, and kind of than this internalized fat phobia that has been implanted in herself as a fat woman in society. Um, And even in the Goodreads description, you see that uh, she never had a problem addressing herself as a fat girl. That's just how she saw herself. That's what it is. Um, But when she starts getting into this romantic relationship with Bo, they start hooking up after their shifts at Harpies. They never really address what's happening, but they have hot little makeout sessions. Side note, when I read this three years ago, I thought there was way more sexiness in these scenes than there was reading it now, but maybe that's just because I've, ex- quote, experienced more. Not really. I don't know. But it was still cute. Back on track. Willa Dean starts hooking up with Bo, um, and any kind of semblance of confidence she had in herself kind of starts to dwindle because she's like why would he like me he's hot I am this nobody fat girl and even when they're making out she is in the moment and then when things happen like he touches her back and she gets insecure about like oh my god is he like touching my fat rolls like this isn't cute she's like sucking in her stomach and she's like yeah I know it probably doesn't really make a difference but it makes me feel better like when I'm doing things with him um and this mentality paired with the recent loss of her aunt Lucy who was a fat woman as well aunt Lucy kind of instilled in Willow Dean from the start growing up that like it's okay to be a bigger woman in society like love yourself like you have so much to offer there's no reason to feel like you shouldn't take up space in this world just how you are so when her aunt passes away she feels lost and then hooking up with Bo she feels more lost and then as the Miss Teen Blue Bonnet pageant kind of fast approaches in Culver City um her mom runs that pageant her mom won in 1997 her mom has always been a beauty queen and 
Willa Dean and her mom never really had a good relationship in that sense. They never really understood each other, and Willa Dean doesn't understand why she's, like, so invested in this fake AF pageant. Like, it makes no sense to her. Um, And her mom even calls her this nickname Dumplin', which has always kind of written on her because it kind of has this fat connotation to it. And she's like, wow, my mom even sees me in this way that is, to her, a negative thing. She's always trying to include encourage Willa Dean to lose weight um and then the domino that kind of makes it all fall is Willa Dean's best friend Elle their relationship becomes strained over um this pageant because again the insecurity of her weight shows she tells Ellen not to enter because Ellen has a chance at winning the pageant and Willa Dean wanted to enter the pageant to kind of stick it to everyone and be like I can be a fat girl and be in this pageant and do my own thing. I don't have to win, but I'm just here to show you I can do it. And by Willow Dean and by, ooh, sorry, Ellen entering, she feels like it's kind of not making the point to be a part of this group of misfits that shouldn't be there when Ellen is the epitome of this beautiful, young, vibrant girl that is the stereotypical pretty girl. Anyway, long tangent. How does this relate to us? Uh, <laughs> so... Where I relate to this narrative is kind of just the whole lack in body confidence and having that waver over the years. I know I'm not a stereotypical pretty person. I think I'm pretty, but I've always had um, the subconscious thing riding on me about my weight. Uh, I'm a tall girl. We established that in the Getting to Know Us episode, five nine. So I've kind of with that, you're, you tend to be bigger, more built than other girls. And a nickname that my family friends gave to me growing up was Danny the Dinosaur, as displayed by the one of the names in this episode. And while I don't think it was given to me in um, an, a negative way, I think it just had to do with my tallness. Uh, it was synonymous in my head. Dinosaurs are big, both tall, and also could be in a fat way and society makes us just feel like fat is bad when in actuality it's not and by society's standards they put in front of us like the messed up bmi chart that doesn't even make sense anymore i am an average sized woman but hearing danny the dinosaur throughout my like youth and like all other things uh that kind of happened around me i kind of always felt like the bigger girl um so, fast forward a few years, la la. I don't know why I said la la, but uh, <laughs> my senior year of high school, I had a crush on someone that was kind of like a bow, and uh, we we didn't run in the same social circles and stuff, but we like encountered each other. We knew of each other. It's not like I didn't exist, but um, and this wasn't directly impacted by him. Like there was no reason for me to think this, but going throughout my life and not having the boys I like, like me back. Uh, I thought that for some reason I made it synonymous with my weight. And I was always like, I, maybe if I was thinner, like boys would like me, yeah. you know? And um, before I liked this boy, like one of the other guys I liked was one of the family friends that called me like Danny the dinosaur. <laughs> And then he started dating my sister, who, who was, like, <laughs> he's, like, athletic and a runner. And, like, I love my sister and everything else. Like, I don't care. And I especially don't care now. But that was something that always wrote on me. And I think it, I internalized that it was because I wasn't, like, that. I don't know. Or I wasn't, like, thin. I don't know. 
I keep saying I don't know. But this is something I don't talk about that often. I, t- I told Izzy, like, this is something yeah. that I don't really talk about. But anyway, back to high school. Um, like this boy, and for some reason in my head, I was like, if I was thinner, maybe boys would like me. So I went on this. I literally called it, I'm not kidding you, um, the no crap diet. So I literally, like, did not eat desserts for, like, months. Like, I would read every single wrapper and, like, look at sugar and salt and, like, not eat it like I literally I lived on like almond milk with cereal and like lettuce and like granola bars for like months and like I did lose weight but it was not healthy I went to the gym all the time and I and I also played basketball like my whole life so when I like was doing that and like working out I didn't get my period for nine months like that's how bad it was like I stopped getting my period in high school and I didn't get it back probably till like end of fall semester of college. Like, so that's kind of when, you know, you're not really doing it right anyway. So thinking about that and then hearing about Willa Dean's insecurities about her weight, like when she's hooking up with Bo being like, he wouldn't like a fat girl. Like, why is he making out with me? Like all sort of stuff and thinking she's not worthy of, him just really resonated with me um and our relationship with ourselves is really important and by the end of this book Willow Dean kind of grows into her own and grows confidence in herself and I feel like over the years that's something I've tried to work on and something I've gotten better at and just loving yourself is really important and society makes us feel like being fat is bad we say who cares but I mean I know it's hard um especially when society makes you feel like a certain like where you look is not acceptable like that's so messed up and you mentioned something about using bmi this is going to be public health izzy's little bmi rant um there has been a lot of literature recently about the inaccuracies of bmi and a public health standpoint a lot of people aren't using bmis anymore to indicate kind of this level of healthiness according to your weight we I still believe obesity is a big problem that can lead to a lot of risks to your health and I can understand especially in the book how Rosie Dixon kind of is very concerned about that especially related to Willa Dean because that's her child but at the same time we need in public health a better measure of body weight and health because BMI is inherently fat phobic and that mm-hmm. is not okay anymore for our professional health systems to use this fat phobic measure to be like, you're too fat, you need to lose weight, when there can be plenty of healthy fat people in the world. I was just going to say in regards to BMI, like it, even like as not a public health professional, like I've been reading, because that's something I used to, when you go to the doctor and they tell you these things, like that's what they would pair you up against. And like when we were growing up, that was still deemed as like the right way. And really when you look at it, it's literally just taking your height and your weight and being like, okay, that's like proportional. There are so many things going on in your body. And like, there's so many things going on in your body and things that you do in your life and everybody's metabolism is different. Everyone's body is set up differently. Your bone structure, like the way you gain weight, the way like everything sits on you, the way you build muscle. Like there are so many factors in why you look the way you look and why you are the way you are and what you weigh. And 
literally a chart that just takes your height and weight is literally just skimming the surface. And I don't know why people didn't think of this, that it was inaccurate sooner. Yeah, I think what, I mean, the purpose of BMI is usually used in a lot of obesity studies being like, oh, we're going to categorize this type of BMI as obese. When in reality, um, there was a study mentioned in this article in the public health post in my school uh, that with, they did three interventions, one checking kids weight at school another one was like a moderate like oh checking and reporting weight and then the other is not checking the weight but just doing kind of exercise and healthy eating activities surprise surprise the intervention that focused on eating healthy and exercise without recording any type of body weight in school was more effective in preventing uh like bad eating habits and promoting exercise so I mean, there are studies that do show that if we want to target obesity, BMI and measure using that as a tool of measurement isn't the right way, especially within schools where you're already very insecure in general. Uh, so yeah, let's work towards dismantling the BMI system. That was my whole public health yeah. rant. Just be... No, but I, I appreciate that. I'm sure our listeners appreciated that and just like an explanation for those who weren't aware of exactly what that was and the other I think issue with society I mean there are a lot of issues with society as we know um but just diversifying the people we look at as role models and I think that's why it's so great that Willa Dean loved her Aunt Lucy so much and saw her as a role model and then also like I looked up to someone such as Dolly Parton because Dolly Parton does not so much fit the ideal of what women I guess look like I mean she has had so much plastic surgery and like her boobs are crazy and like her hair is crazy and whatever else but with that like like I said she doesn't look like the average woman and she doesn't care what other people think she has so much confidence in herself and I what's that one quote she has this one quote and she's like oh she's like it costs a lot of money to look this trashy like (laughs) she's cognizant of who she is and what she portrays and like she doesn't care and she just does what makes her happy and I love that so yeah and you talk about this um notion of kind of like being confident and that I always thought it was interesting how kind of your personal self-esteem and body image issues whatever they are can kind of change in a relationship and that's always something that's been a fear of mine so Willa Dean, she presents as this very confident fat girl, and that's val- you mentioned like that's validated by her aunt Lucy. But then when Bo enters the picture, the more ne- her more negative self esteem and body issue images start to become more present in her mind. That insecurity of like crushing on a guy. I mean, I've definitely been there, and I think it's a little bit ironic because you're like ideally in a relationship or when you're crushing on someone. I would hope at least. Um, you want to kind of feel a level of confidence with them or it helps foster your confidence but maybe like this notion that we've always been this like best friend in a rom-com situation has always made me feel more insecure when I start crushing on a guy being like oh he'll never like me because I mean for me my body image issues very <laughs> long list um, but like the main thing I'm insecure about is I hate my double chin and my baby fat face um, which is why I'm kind of glad we have to wear masks right now because it hides everything that I hate about my face. 
I get super insecure about that, especially when liking guys. And I mean, there was a phase when I was like, oh, I was too fat, but um, that's not 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 an issue anymore because I still struggle with my weight, but in a different way. This is like a hashtag stool status update where it's like I'm continuing to lose weight because my body is rejecting everything that I put into it. And now I'm like insecure being like, wow, like I have always thought of myself as too fat. And now I'm like getting too skinny and weak and like pathetic. And it just never wins. I'm always joking around uh, with my friends and coworkers like, oh, like I'm going to get a man. Like not that I need one, but I want one. And going through all these body issues right now I'm feeling disgusting just having diarrhea like every other day and I'm like wow like I don't feel good enough about myself to get a man but like it's kind of how it is I guess yeah I I can't relate to the school status but obviously displayed by (laughs) my whole rant before uh my weight I've always been insecure about I feel like that's just like an innate thing I would say for females, but I also know men in my life that are insecure about their weight. And it's just like, society, why have you plagued us? So, um, but yeah. the thing that in your evaluation of her, Willa Jean's relationship with Bo, I, there's being like supported by, um, I would not say for another because they weren't dating at that point, but I guess someone you're seeing, or even just in friendships, like, if you are talking to someone and they don't make you feel good or they're condescending or like doing things that don't make you feel great, you either tell them and they like should buckle up and kind of be understanding or you say like sayonara, you know? And it's the thing I liked about Bo was when she vocalized later on in the book when he's like, I want you to be my girlfriend and everything. And she says, I can't be your girlfriend because people will look at us and be like, why are you with me? Like, why are you with her? She's like the fat girl. Like you're too, he's too good for her. That's what people would assume. And he didn't invalidate her feelings by being like, people would never think that like, wow. Like he, uh, he knows what society is going to think. We all do, Like it's just ingrained in us. And he was understanding of that. He also kind of was a little sassy, being like, I didn't think you cared what other people thought. But I thought that was a better response than just being in denial of the reality of the situation, you know? Yeah, I kind of disagree in the sense where I think Bo is actually a bit ignorant towards Willa Dean's issues. I think she does internalize a lot of this and doesn't really, like, tell Bo that she's, like, insecure. She kind of alludes to it, and I think he can kind of pick up on it. But I read it a little bit differently, where I thought he was a little bit ignorant. I think he does do a good job about making Willa Dean feel safe in the, this environment when they're hanging out together, and then we see, like, through that helps their development of their relationship. But I feel like he doesn't get it he will like uh, we were talking about like how social identities it's like hard to understand sometimes when you're not a part of that social identity and I think Bo just doesn't get what Willa Dean's perspective as a fat girl is and I thought he was kind of ignorant being I mean he's like well I think you're beautiful I don't you and he was saying like oh I didn't I thought you didn't care what people think but I'm like of course like Bo you're being a little bit hypocritical right now because you also care what other people think um, maybe not according to Willa Dean, but in other areas, like, uh, it was 
taught that he uh, it was wrote in the book that Bo went to private school, then he got kicked out, and it's so obvious in the book that he is insecure about that like status of it getting kicked out of his private school because he still goes to church every day and hangs with his private school friends a little bit and he's insecure he's trying to save face by hanging out with them so and there's like another aspect of Willa Dean's gender and how society views females as well and I mean I love Bo and I think he like I said he does do a good job of making Willa Dean feel safe where he supports her in her journey to be herself but I think in the beginning he was a little bit ignorant of like the fine strings that come with this messiness of like a, a yarn of body image issues and like a fat, in a fat phobic society. Yeah, I see that side of the picture. I, I but I also think like you said in the beginning of your explanation of your thoughts, saying how Willa Dean didn't really fully express this concern to kind of just touch the surface of it. I think that mm-hmm. also if she was more communicative as a like as opposed to kind of internalizing it all and like we saw what she was dealing with as the reader and Bo obviously can't read her mind so all he knows is like oh she doesn't want to be with me because she doesn't want people to like judge but I think it was just very layered yeah Um, yeah and with this connotation of Bo not understanding another important relationship in this book is the relationship between Rosie Dixon uh Willa Dean's Mm -hmm. mom and Willa Dean, yeah, uh, kind of. I wouldn't say toxic. They just unhealthy. don't want to each other. Yeah, it's unhealthy, and I don't think they ever really put in the effort to get to know each other and see where the other person is coming from because they never had to. When Aunt Lucy was around, Aunt Lucy and Willa Dean were like two birds of the same feather, if you will. They got mm-hmm. along very well. They had the same interests. They both were fat girls. Like they both. They just shared so much in common. And Rosie was Willa Dean's mom, obviously. And, like, you live under the same roof as someone. And so you get to know them in that way. But there's a difference between, like, developing an actual relationship and just, like, existing. Because you have to, like, exist together, you know? And I feel like that's the vibe I got prior to Lucy passing. And then once Aunt Lucy passed away, Rosie and Willa Dean kind of were forced to I feel like start from scratch they never had like a mother-daughter bond I felt Mm -hmm. yeah I agree I think it's really hard especially with grief and everything like that messy situation the portrayal of the mother-daughter relationship in this book shows that there's obviously like that relationship can be unhealthy but it's the effort you need to put in and the intention. And that's so hard when Rosie is trying to push this sort of agenda of Willa Dean being a fat girl in a negative way. And Rosie mm-hmm. doing all these like passive aggressive ways to like hint at Willa Dean that she's fat and needs to change that. And Willa Dean internalizing this as being like, she'll never understand that I'm happy being fat. Uh, one of the points I want to make with Aunt Lucy is that I think Aunt Lucy is such an important role model and relationship for Willa Dean, not as just as a pseudo parental figure, but as someone who helps Willa Dean navigate this fat phobic society. And that's super important. And those types of relationship are super important. And it's unfortunate that not that it should be your parent, because I'm happy that Willa Dean had Aunt Lucy, but it just kind of sucks because now that Aunt Lucy's gone, 
then Willadine has really no one to look after her in, in this role model way and relationship way. Look after her and understand. Because Rosie yeah. kind of understands because she was a fat girl pre-high school, but then she lost the weight. And her her mm-hmm. perception is that when she lost the weight, essentially her life got better. Like she lost the weight and then she won Miss Teen Blue Bonnet and she was society's first like embodiment yeah, of like pretty. Perpetual like beauty queen. queen. Yeah. So she just looks at Willa Dean and goes, you can do what I did too. And it was the there was one part in the book that stuck out to me in regards to this um the fat phobia thing with um Rosie is they were watching TV one day and there was it was like some generic MTV like weight loss kind of show. Oh, yeah. that would have been very popular in like the early two thousands, I feel like as a yeah. reality show. And like the Rosie's biggest or whatnot. Yeah. And like Rosie puts it on and is like inspired by it and then kind of like alludes to Willa Dean doing the same thing. And Willa Dean's like, No, like do you think I'm not happy like at all like do you think I'm just fat and depressed like I'm fine with the way I am and Rosie just doesn't see that and there was another offhand comment she made kind of at one point and she's like oh if you lost the weight like boys would give you attention like she said that in the book and I was like are are you serious like she she didn't know about Bo or the guy Mitch but her saying that and I was like okay one that's not true because your daughter's proving that wrong and also like yeah. if a boy is so shallow to be like I won't be with you because you're fat like you wouldn't want that anyway but two why does she need to seek validation from these men anyway like why is the first thing yeah. you think of is you lose weight you're gonna get a boyfriend like if anything she should want her daughter to lose weight if it was like a health risk and she's like you're gonna yeah. be healthier but, like yeah the first thought is like boy and I'm like oh yeah, I, I understand that, but also, like, I mean, who hasn't been there? Like, with, with any sort of body image issues, with me, like, when I was in college and high school, and, like, most recently, I'm like, oh, if I get a better toned, skinnier body, then people will find me more attractive. Yeah. And that's, like, not, the, I don't know if that's the case or not, sadly. I can't say, like, oh, no, body doesn't, or appearances don't matter, because they do. I just hope for any guy that I was interested in or have been interested in me, like, that isn't... I mean, it's there, but not the most important reason why they like me is because I'm some... Which is... Ugh, it's weird for me even to call myself a skinny girl, because, yes, I am skinny. Like, I rationally recognize I am skinny, but I still need... But, I, like, I don't know. It's just so weird for, for me to just call myself skinny yeah. because... Like, I don't, sometimes I don't feel it. And, but then I'm like, then there's that, like, am I kind of perpetuating this, like, fat phobic, like, notion of society being like, oh, like, this little skinny bitch doesn't think she's skinny. Thus, I must be, like, ginormous. And I think, um, you see, there's one instance that Willa Dean says that to, there's another friend, Millie, who enters the pageant with Willa Dean in solidarity because also Millie really wants to be in a pageant and never felt she had the opportunity to. And Willa Dean comments on like, oh, I know I'm fat, but at least I'm not that fat. And I don't know. It just makes me think like, I'm just like, I don't, it makes, I don't know. It makes me analyze like, 
the language that I use to describe myself and how that can affect other people. Yeah, I, I mean, because I'm saying all this too, being like, oh, her mom's just saying she'll get a boyfriend when she loses the weight. Meanwhile, my whole story from high school, like I just made weight synonymous with why boys didn't like me. And I hope Dash think that's not it. And I like by society standards as well, like I'm not, I don't think I'm considered fat. Like I am average size. I think, I mean, I don't know if the stats changed, but last time I checked the average size of a woman is size 12. I mean, also, the other thing with that, too, is clothing sizes, depending on where you go, what store, they're all freaking different because women's sizing is not universal. Um, But size 12, and I am below a size 12. So I am even below average, but I still look in the mirror sometimes, and I look at my stomach, and, like, I touch my stomach. I'm like, oh. Like, I squeeze my stomach, and I'm like, oh. And I'm like, but this isn't bad, you know? And yeah. I was telling Izzy the other day, we were talking about what we were going to talk about in this episode. And I remember talking about my stomach again. I think it was with you, whatever. Anyway, if if it wasn't with you, this topic came up somewhere else. But I look at my stomach and it is scientifically impossible for women to have a perfectly flat stomach because your uterus is there too. But like, I look at my stomach and I'm like, oh, you're not as flat as I want you to be, you know? Yeah, and if Rosie is okay, if Rosie's uh notion that if you lose the weight, then a boy will like you. I have lost a lot of weight this month because of my diarrhea, my IVF. Why haven't I gotten a man? Sense <laughs> like obviously, like I mean, if that was like an even an ounce true, then I would be booed up right now. This is a whole other tangent, but I can count on. I've got multiple people on my hands who have snatched up significant others uh, that I'm friends with during the pandemic. And like, I'm like, good for you. But also I'm like, how did you do that? I mean, I'm also on dating apps at the moment for my own personal mental health reasons. And like, I don't, I listen to the Corona rules uh, pretty more strictly than other people. And I also don't know where I'm going to be living the next few months because I am trying to find a job and uh, hopefully moving back to California but who knows what's happening my life is all up in the air so I'm like it, it's not fruitful for me to try to find a boyfriend or whatever um but yeah it's just interesting to see everybody who snatched up someone and I'm like haha like the other day I spiraled being like oh well, I'm like one of the only people I know in my social circles without a significant other cool beans yeah and it, it sucks because it's I think one of the more toxic things about body image issues is that it can in a sense, you do have some control over it. I mean, I talked in the Twelve the Boys episode that, I mean, my biracialness, I can't really control that because it's, like, something that's hard to change. I can't change that I'm biracial. But, like, something like your weight, I can change that easily. Like, uh, like you can easily go on a diet, you know, what? And that's what's scary about it is that, like, you have so much control to do either harm or good, depending on, like, how you see it. And I think that's... I don't know, it's just scary and like this notion of like everybody surrounding us like having boyfriends or partners and getting domesticated quote unquote in this COVID times and I'm still here without a boyfriend. Not that I need one, but I want one or partner, whatever. And I always internalize am I doing everything in my control to it's kinda of like a job search. You wanna make sure you're you're doing all the steps. But it, I don't know. It just kind of sucks because 
you're lonely and sad and then your self-esteem plunges even further down being like uh yeah there's something wrong and so much is like out of our control right now too yeah so to have you're coming up especially you're trying to have control yeah I've been reading a lot like I was telling Izzy prior to recording about this mental spiral I had yesterday about like my personal life and like being on the job hunt like still a year after like I I originally had moved to California and then I had to move back home because Corona and like all this other stuff and how I kind of described it to one of my friends being like, it feels like I'm standing in this same place and everyone around me is like moving forward. And like, I'm stuck here and doing everything I can. Yeah. I'm still here being like, I want to do something. Like I'm not moving, like everything's spinning around me. And so like things like weight are one of the things I guess you can control. Like I can't make someone give me a job. I can't make someone date me. I can't make this pandemic end. I am not eligible for a vaccine. Like so, so much won't change right now. It's scary that weight is one of the things that I know. My thoughts surrounding weight over the pandemic have definitely um, fluctuated and my weight has fluctuated like everyone else's. I mean, so Mm -hmm. it's crazy to see. Anyway. um, Yeah, we've been dancing around this like, topic kind of but in the beginning Danielle mentioned about do leagues really exist are people out of their leagues an example in the book is being that I mean obviously Willa Dean thinks Bo is out of her league because he's like this nice hot private school former private school guy and everyone's attracted to him even like the prom I don't want to call it like the prom queen more like the, the typical beauty queen who like will win the pageant Becca she's interested in him so um Willa Dean feels insecure that Bo's interested in her but then also there's this other guy Mitch who I'm uh, anointing as a member of the would be a decent choice but second choice club with President John Ambrose McLaren that Mitch is a, a classmate of Willa Dean's and they go out on a date it's kind of ox or awkward um but then they become friends they kind of go out more they're it's kind of like a situationship where it like hints that they're doing like couple stuff but they don't like declare themselves a couple but Mitch is described as this typical guy who is a little bit heavier he's on the football team and would be a perfect like I guess a quote perfect match for Willa Dean in regards to body type yeah, I mean, so then that brings this question that Willa Dean kind of struggles with, like, uh, oh, like, well, Mitch is within my wheelhouse of, and Bo isn't, so should I be going more for Mitch, or do I still like Bo? And, I mean, obviously she still likes Bo, and, I mean, in the end, her and Bo, at the end, her and Bo end up together, and I'm a little salty because uh, this is going to be my ending rant, that... I hate ambiguous yet like obvious endings. Like it's so obvious that Willie Dean ends up with Bo, but I want that giant like makeout session, Julie Murphy. Like it just I, the book ends. Sorry, this is gonna be a, we already have a spoiler warning for like every episode, but uh, Willie Dean just shows up at Harpies after the pageant and is ready to kind of tell Bo like, "Yes, I'll be your girlfriend." And it just, they leave it as Willa Dean entering the fast food 
place harpies and her and Bella kind of staring at each other. Like, there's no romantic kiss. There's no like making out, little tongue action. There's nothing. They just leave it. She just leaves it so ambiguous. But you know they end up together. And I'm like, can't you just write the damn scene? It's like one or two more pages. It's not gonna make a difference. I want that rom com ending. I don't want to leave things ambiguous. But maybe that's also what fan fiction is for. Sorry, that was a big rant. No, don't be sorry. I mean, I felt the same way. I kind of forgot how the I mean I knew they ended up together but I forgot like the exact details of the way the book ended like word for word and I have seen the movie more times than I've read the book because it's just yeah. easier to kind of throw in a movie for background noise and the end of the movie has like a sweeping makeout session yeah like, it's like a minute probably of a kiss and I'm like ooh, saucy and they have like the end credit scene so they're all dancing to Dolly Parton and the drag club that Willa Dean uh, uses or not uses, but uh, she gets the advice of a lot of drag queens about her pageant performance. But then they do that cute little like dancing scene in the in the in the club, and it's so cute. Yeah, it's so cute, and the drag queens are friends with her aunt Lucy, and it's just like a connection to her past, and like they all love Dolly, and it's really cute. And the book just ended. Yeah, they like stared at each other, and one of the coworkers, Marcus, was like oh like you look great Willa Dean or something because she's wearing her like pageant formal dress or something and I think Bo has like his lollipop in his mouth and like winks at her or something and they're both staring yeah. at each other and the book ends and I'm like okay leave it up to my imagination but also I want to know I want a kiss or something especially after not that it was like the most smutty of smut, but in like the beginning of the book when they're hooking up like in his car, I got more from that than I did in the end. And I was like, I would like some smut for when they're actually together. Like, I just don't want the angsty smut. I want the real stuff too. Anyway, Izzy and I both get heated about not getting our smut filled because we live vicariously through these things. But like going back to this question of leaks, then yeah, like what are your opinions on do you believe in leagues what what's your thoughts on that do I believe in leagues so I've been thinking about this question and I always think about this question considering uh if you look back at this whole conversation we've had I kind of teeter on this ideal of being like if they don't like you screw them like <laughs> like, like the whole love is blind thing like you, you should just like someone for who they are but then we all have these insecurities and so the romantic in me says no you should like who you like and I think that's rooted in a lot of things, including personality and just like your morals and your compatibility. I mean, those are huge and that those should be considered, I think, in any relationship. But it also would be kind of ignorant for me to say that physicality and physical attraction aren't important as well. Because mm -hmm. there have been people in my life and like I feel like in everyone's life where you're like, on paper, we would work well together. And then, like, you hook up with them or you do whatever or you kind of test the waters for a more romantic relationship. And you're like, this is like a soggy wet napkin. There's nothing here. <laughs> so, so, like, so in that sense, I I don't think we should, like, rely upon, like, a love at first sight thing. And, like, you look at someone and you're like, oh, they're in my league. Like, I'm going to go after them. But, like, even for friendships, I think like attracts like. And I guess in a way that's kind of a league, but you, the, I, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like people I'm friends with 
are people who are kind of a reflection of me. And I feel like who you end up dating is kind of also a reflection of you. And I think that's in many aspects that are bungled up in like, it could be bundled up in what you look like, but also just like your personal interests. I mean, even like your socioeconomic status, like that could be a league too. Like my BU friends, like a lot of people can't afford to go to private like institutions, higher education. So then people who I associate with there can be considered a whole other league. But right now we're just talking about physical attraction league. Um, so in that regard, um, yes, no, no, maybe yes, so. no. I'm going to go 50-50. I mean, that's a valid answer. Any answer is valid. But I don't know. For me, personally, I want to say I don't believe in leagues, but I feel like I've internalized this notion so much. And I need to be honest here, because I, as much as I call people out for their honesty, I need to reciprocate that. Um, but I do. I think it just stems from this not really being a desired sentiment that I've dealt with my whole life. And I've always had this insecurity about my own attractiveness. And I worry that the people that I'm attracted to, or I think are like super hot and like don't like me back. Like, what does that say about my own perception of self and beauty? Where do I stack up in that? And I think it also goes for like the few guys who have shown interest in me. Um, and I haven't really been attracted to them. And I'm like, oh, and I start to freak out. It's like, oh, am I attracting ugly guys because I'm ugly? And, like, obviously this is, like, hella toxic and unfair to the guys who have shown interest in me because it's obvious they have great taste. But um, I think that it's – I mean, also this is just based on, like, random makeouts with guys in clubs. But then, like, I see their face, and I'm like, "Wow, you're you're not cute." But you think I'm cute? Does that mean I'm not cute? Uh, I don't. I just get insecure about this, and I get insecure about like what my friends think if I'm like attracting these guys, guys that I don't think are attractive, but they don't think I'm attractive. Like, is that making me ugly? And it's like, oh, she's only attracting ugly guys. Uh, I just try. I'm still like grappling with this and trying to dismantling this, especially like I don't know, especially just my life and like how I view my body and how I view myself. And I think it's hard when you're kind of perpetually lonely and that doesn't say anything about the quality of guy. Like, yes, I might not find him attractive, but does that mean this like attraction attraction won't develop over time? And like, what if he's a really really nice guy? Like, I mean. And I've had, like, people who I've gotten, like, pseudo-confirmation that have been interested in me. And they've been, like, the most phenomenal people ever. But I, like, this insecurity is, like, probably, like, held me back a little. Because I'm worried about, like, what other people think and, like, where I stack up in terms of leagues and, like, attractiveness. So. Yeah, I, when you said that and you wrote, you wrote that on the outline, I was like, I feel this because I've definitely been there too. Not to say that guys that have liked me, I've been like, oh, like you're ugly. But like, I just am not interested in them. Like they're interested in me and I could see their appeal for other people. But just like, like I said, you can't like force feelings about someone. You can't force attraction, physical attraction. But what you also said that really resonated with me is like, dude, should I have given these people chances? 
yeah in many regards in many instances in my life I've not been quick to write people off but I don't like take the chance so much like I'll know what I know about them because if I know them through like a class or like when I was in school or like through working with them kind of just like a brief kind of surface relationship and then if they express interest in me if I don't like them at that point through this kind of arm's length relationship I would usually I would say no to maybe a date or doing something with them romantic when I feel like maybe I should have tested the waters more but then there was an instance where I tested the waters more and it was also just very confusing not very confusing but people were like with this one guy they're like oh he likes you and I was like no we're just friends uh but then he did like me and then I did test the waters and stuff I was like I don't know how I feel about him and then uh we did make out and I was like no I'm not feeling this but I'm happy that I did that because like getting to know him was like fun and like I saw possible potential and then I got my confirmation as opposed to kind of running away before anything even happened you know yeah I think it's hard it's hard to fight through these insecurities and I think that's what I appreciate about Willa Jean's journey in this book is that she shows there's no one right way to be confident. Not everyone's confident 100% of the time. And you see her struggle with these relationships and these dynamics. And she came to a place at the end of the book where she felt confident enough in herself and uh, who she is and who she liked that she could go for Bo. And I just hope in the yeah. future that we can move past and work with these insecurities and body image issues and grow with them and around them them to like mm-hmm. get the guy mm-hmm. not that there's any guys waiting for us but you know you never know maybe oh someone God. will feel like- maybe someone will listen to this podcast and be like wow izzy your voice is great let's go make out and i'll be like no covid but let's let's try to do something more socially distant <laughs> get the vaccine and call me back up yeah um, the other thing, though, about Bo, and we mentioned this guy, Mitch, is upon a second reading, Mitch was not even a character in the movie, uh, but in the book, he was, I felt bad for him, because him and Willow Dean started off, he was asked her on a date, and they went on a date, and Willow Dean kind of had the soggy wet napkin experience of it being, like, awkward and nothing there, and then they kind of developed a friendship, and then the friendship became a situationship. And she was like, ah, I don't really know what's happening here, but we're going to ride with it. Kind of don't want to drag him, but I kind of am dragging him. But like, who knows what's happening with Bo and Bo's confusing and I'm trying to get over Bo. So like Mitch is here. So I really feel like Mitch was dragged through the mud and she was still kind of confused. And then they kissed and then she still continued to hang out with him without a definition of what was happening. And then it kind of exploded in her face and keeping a friendship with him. Because then he saw her, like, cuddle up, getting comfort from Bo. And then he was like, oh, so we're not a thing. And then they ended up not even being friends. So I felt bad for him. I feel, I mean, I always feel bad for the second choice. Because, you know, probably not even the second choice. It's not like the fifth choice. But, uh, yeah, he he joins the John Ambrose McLaren club of my second choice heroes. But also his only, like, fault, and this is a big big issue he was like best friends with the bully Mitch wasn't a bully himself but he never really stood up to his friend who was like 
saying horribly discriminatory, racist, like just disgusting stuff to people. And yeah, he was not that's okay. not okay. We don't stand bullying. Like we've all had our fair share of uh, some sort of like bullying in our lives. And regardless of whether you've been friends with them for all their lives, like any type of hate like that is not okay. And you need to stand up for that. It doesn't have to be in an overt way, but it needs someone needs to say something. And that was Mitch's, I think, biggest, biggest flaw in the book. Yeah. But, you know. But it, it really is a turnoff. His excuse was yeah. like, oh, we've, basically, we've been friends forever. And he is how he is. And it's like, that's not an excuse. Yeah, I think. Like, that's essentially that, being an enabler. Yeah. And I think now that I think about it, like, the relationship between Willa Dean and Ellen and then Mitch and Patrick, I think the the bully's name is Patrick Thomas, right? I believe so. Yeah, Patrick Thomas. Which, that's the bully. which is so funny yeah. because my brother's name is actually Patrick Thomas. So, <laughs> lol. Yeah. The, the the relationship between Willadine and Ellen and Mitch and Patrick mm-hmm. are kind of foils of each other, where we see them. Well, Willadine and Ellen kind of get into this fight and like grow apart but then grow back together but then I think it in my interpretation of the relationship between Mitch and Patrick they kind of just like are growing apart so it shows like people you've been friends with your whole life you need to grow and change and learn to grow within that versus just like sticking with someone mm-hmm. there because that you've known them their, their entire life and I think that is also beautiful going on what we were talking about about female friendships I think the other thing about Ellen and Willa Dean that I appreciate is when they do grow back together they kind of just don't shove their issues under the rug they're very Mm. communicative and saying like like they address they were like I felt we were growing apart and like you weren't understanding anymore and I think that was really important and the other thing I appreciate about them that I was telling Izzy pre this call is when before they were in a fight Ellen has her boyfriend Tim and I really appreciate that in her relationship with Tim that Willa Dean and Tim are friends as well and that Ellen mm-hmm. carves out time for Willa Dean separate from Tim and they each have their own space in her life and, and like one of Willa Dean's fears with her friendship with Ellen is that Ellen Ellen's has sex with Tim and she's like oh Ellen's gonna like surpass me and do all these things I haven't done and then we're gonna grow apart and like we're gonna be on two different playing fields and I think Ellen's reassuring and doesn't make Willadine feel feel inferior and by her carving out this time Willadine knows that she will always have a space in Ellen's life and that's really Mm -hmm. nice and also just being the perpetually single friend I've definitely been the person that's been cast aside uh second banana to my now my friend's now significant other you know um Mm -hmm. It was nice watching a positive friendship still blossom after someone gets into a relationship. Yeah. Well said. Um, ditto to everything. So, yeah, that kind of just wraps up the main portion of this theme of relationships with ourselves, with others, self-esteem, got phobia, body image issues, the whole, the whole nine yards. Okay, so after we talk about this book, Danny or Danielle or are there any quotes that kind of stood out to you your favorite quote from the book you want to share 
Are you getting used to calling me Danny now? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I feel like for continuity's sake, I should, but I mean, it's, it's I want to say it's like dumplings. Like, you're always be my little Danielle. <laughs> the effort's appreciated. Um, there are many quotes I enjoy in this book. I have a favorite I picked, and I also have an honorable mention. So we're going to start with the favorite one first. Um, so this is around the end of the book, and Rosie, Willa Dean's mom, finally under- starting to understand why Willa Dean never liked the nickname Dumplin, and she's asking her, like, or, like, telling her, like, I can stop calling you that if you want. And Willa Dean says, like, no, like, it's okay. Like, she's embracing it now. And then in her, like, inner monologue, she says, sometimes figuring out who you are means understanding that we are a mosaic of experiences. I'm Dumplin and Will and Willa Dean. I'm fat. I'm happy. I'm insecure. I'm bold. Such a nice sentiment. And I think uh, another quote somewhere in there um, in the book talks about um, Ellen says that only nicknames and names only hurt if you give them the power to. Um, mm-hmm. But if it hurts you, it hurts me. That's what she says to Willa Dean. And I agree with that sentiment, and I, I agree we are a mosaic of experiences, and there are so many things. I went on this rant. I feel, I feel like I always went on this rant. There are so many things that make us us. Like, even in regards to the BMI, I was like, there's so many factors in that. So, like, mm-hmm. our personality and who we are and how we present ourselves and the way the world sees us is made up by so many things. And I just think that's a beautiful thing. That's a nice yeah. thing. We're not all cookie cutters of the same mold, you know? Yeah. And... My honorable mention goes to, I shared this one with Lizzie and she couldn't stop laughing and I can't stop laughing either. So Willa Dean goes to Bo's house to study for a test and she goes into his room to go study and she says, we sit on pillows on the floor with our books and notes spread out. For a bit we talk about what might be on the exam, but all I can think is, Bo, 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 Bo's room. He sleeps here. Bo, 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 Bo. This is where he takes off his clothes. And this is like all caps. And she keeps saying, Bo, 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 Bo. Bo, 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 Bo. It's so funny. It's so true. So um, funny. So true. I've had this like monologue before. Oh, yeah. I don't even know. Maybe because I've been in a select few boys' rooms. And I'm like, whoa. Just the possibility maybe something could happen in such a boy's room, and then I freak out. But yeah, it, it's cute. Uh, it's so funny because even when, um, even when like I'm near a guy that I like, or you know, like, or like if I went over to the apartment of someone that I like, and I'm like, wow, this is where he like cooks. This is where he cleans. Like this is where he shits. Like oh my god. <laughs> so, um, Izzy's quote time. I want to hear. Yeah. Um, so mine, uh, so a big theme in this book is not only beauty pageants and Dolly Parton love, which we love, but uh, while Willa Dean's going through Lucy's old stuff, she realizes that there's this like invitation to a Dolly Parton show. Little does she know when she goes with Millie, Amanda, and Hannah, the three friends that she's made who are doing the pageant in this uh, sort of like FU society standards uh group that this show is actually a Dolly Parton drag show by uh, drag queens and Willa Dean gets a lot of help and advice from them about kind of her performance and life and one of the quotes is after she meets with the drag queens 
uh, it goes, quote, the last permission I need to be my own role model. I love this so beautiful because the word permission is like you're asking for something. And not that Willa Jean's asking for permission to be herself, but relying on these people who have felt as marginalized and insecure and lost as she kind of getting that blessing being like forge your own path quote be your own role model and we talked about role models earlier how Aunt Lucy was a role model Rosie to some weird extent could be a role model um I just love that because especially with a lot of marginalized people or who society has outcasted like if you don't see yourself as a role model, like make your be your own role model. I think that's just a beautiful sentiment and uh, something that, I mean, I've, I'm trying to do, I guess, in my own life. But yeah, so mm-hmm. that's my quote. Yeah, I love that. And like blaze your blaze your own path if there's not one already there, and just being a leader. And uh, it is nice. And I I enjoyed. I mean, drag drag queens are fabulous in general so the incorporation of that in this book was fabulous mm-hmm. and more fabulous in the movie and it i don't know yeah. it's just so fun and beautiful and they're great role models for i think willa dean and like you said these marginalized crowds kind of coming together to understand and see how they find their own strength in this suffocating society sometimes and I thought it was really beautiful too in regards to the drag queens and like with this quote too, Millie, uh, she was talking about before I remember in the book, she went Mm -hmm. up to Lodine after they met the drag queens at the hideaway and she like, she grew up very religious and her mom kind of had instilled in her that drag queens were these others of society, like homosexual people are these other of society and they're bad. And so Mm -hmm. she went up to Lodine to tell her like, I had a great time. And like they're great people, and yeah, they taught me a lot. And what my mom told me was like not right. True, you know. Or, so I thought that was beautiful recognition. So yeah. So, um, let's do takeaways, uh, Danielle. Quote unquote, take it away. Oh. <laughs> I liked that. Uh, so I guess my first takeaway in general is kind of just like my worth is not determined by what I look like or what I weigh we are to quote my quote a mosaic of experiences and that's beautiful in itself and what you look like in the mirror should not count you out from any experience or like what you want to do and Mm -hmm. um, eat the dang cupcake because YOLO eat what you want like do what you want we only live this one life so I was I said this in the tall boys episode too like why count yourself out before you get to do things and then that doesn't even have to do with the cupcake but I just like cupcakes and we all should like (laughs) and you should eat what you want because when I end up not being on this earth anymore and I look back and all I ate on my own will was like a freaking rice cake I'll be sad so (laughs) very good because now all I eat is rice cakes but it's okay I mean, I I enjoy a good rice cake with some almond butter, banana, cinnamon, honey. Yeah, but like just in the context of like what you were used like eating it, and it was not yeah. healthy. Just yeah, and then um, I thought I'd quote Miss Dolly Parton and say, "Be a diamond in a rhinestone world." <laughs> Love it. So Izzy, what are your takeaways from this book? 
Yeah, um, I forget that confidence levels fluctuate, and we see that, like, Lodine's starting with high confidence, and then kind of dip and spike throughout the book, and I just want to remind myself, like, to strive to be at this place where I feel confident in my body, but I'm also okay with having a day about self-esteem. Like, confidence is not a, like, spike, and then you're there. It's a journey, like everything else, and it's okay to have a bad day or two, but just to remember to, like, kind of regroup refresh and know that doesn't you feeling bad about yourself shouldn't inhibit your confidence um and that is one and the second way is kind of to work to dismantle this internalization of leads and attractiveness that I had talked about earlier and you know give I think this will help me give people and guys more of a chance um, and be kinder on myself and my self-esteem. And then a, a third one, I think mm-hmm. me and Danielle can both relate to this one. Um, just trying to navigate this world in a more body positive way and helping stop fat phobic, fat phobia in society and try to make this a world where all body types are celebrated and no one is shaming you and telling you to lose weight, gain weight, change your body if you don't want to. Yeah. Totally. I totally agree with that. It's a beautiful world and we're all different and that's what makes it beautiful. And we love that. And uh, I also agree with your league sentiment. I kind of didn't say what I was going to work on, but that's what I'm going to work on. Uh, (laughs) And oh, the other thing was positive friendship. You see in this book, we uh, compared Mitch and Patrick Thomas and Elle and Willow Dean and I kind of have a problem uh, holding on to people that might not suit my needs anymore and be beneficial friendships and I lug around dead weight because I harbor nostalgia and all this other stuff uh, for being friends for so long. But we won't lug dead weight anymore that brings us down. That's something I'm working on. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously we're here because we have a great friendship and fostering that every day and working towards being better and more supportive friends. Yes, I, Izzy is one of my favorite people in this world, and that's why I'm so grateful we're doing this podcast, and I really feel like, I mean, we were already close, but this brought us, I feel like, all closer together in general, and now we regularly call each other and get to talk about books all the time, and this has been really good for my mental health, so I hope it's been good for you, too. Oh, yeah, it's definitely been good. So um, yeah, uh, that kind of concludes uh, this episode three on Dumplin'. And don't forget to uh, follow us on social media. We are on Instagram at Danny and Izzy for updates, fun stories, and you get a little bit of episode previews as well. You can email us at Danny and Izzy. And more importantly, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can give us a rating or you can just write a little blurb of love towards me and Danny. Um, yeah. And also, coming soon to social media near you, uh, Danny and I are working on uh, creating a TikTok, which should be a lot of fun for uh, you to see us embarrass ourselves. But we'll see, you know, we're working on it. And we shall see you not in two weeks, but we shall see you next week for a special episode, which we are excited to start uh, to release. So thank you for listening and see you next week.